What's up, guys? This is Rick, back at you, with, I don't remember how many episodes we have, I think this is five, I hope it's five, uh, five, five episodes. I'm here with my new co-host, it's official, $10 million deal, minus $10 million, Sam, what is up, Sam? Man, you should have told me about the deal ahead of time, I would have signed on way quicker. Well... But then I would have had to pay you, and I don't have $10 million. I have like $80. That's a lot. You're not I'll take it. I'll take it. All right, man. How have you been with uh, watching all these games? You enjoying yourself? Oh, how could I not be? Every single day, it's four games a day. It's 10 a.m. until 8.30 p.m. That sounds perfect to me. That's what you normally get during the football season that keeps everybody up Saturday morning through Sunday night. That's every single day now, and it's the NBA playoffs. Nothing more fun. No, yeah. It's so hard to keep up. I can only fit in like one or two games because I'm so busy to these days, but it's still super fun to watch. So we're three games into all the series right now, and one thing I wanted to ask you is who was your big surprise team through three games? I'm going to go with a team that I predicted would win the series they're playing in, and they're on their way to do it, the Miami Heat. I expected them to win the series. I thought it would be a very competitive series, but they're up 3-0 with an absolute clinch on it right now. Even today's game, which I think was probably the most competitive of the series, finished in a nine-point victory for the Heat, scoring 124 points. Indiana just hasn't had any answers. I think that they're really missing Sabonis right now, but the Miami Heat have just looked so good in every single game. They've got to be the surprise team in the playoffs so far. You make a good point, man. They, I thought the series would have been I, – I picked Heat in six, but it looks like they honestly could win in four right now. All the games have been pretty close, but the Heat have just pulled away in crunch time and dominated crunch time. And for me, if I had to pick a team right now that surprised me, it would easily be the Utah Jazz. Coming in, I picked the Utah Jazz to win one game in this series because I thought they were too depleted. Mike Conley, even though he picked up a little in the bubble, he still had been a pretty underwhelming acquisition. But that has not been the case. Donovan Mitchell has dominated this series. He's got his fingerprints all over it. He dropped 57 in game one, and they they lost. And then the next two games have just been complete blowouts. Denver has just had no answer. And Mike Conley came back on Friday and just shot the lights out. And they they just look like they could win this series in five. I would guess in six, but they could even win it in five. They are looking unstoppable right now. Mike Conley, 27 points in 25 minutes to go along with four assists. Rudy Gobert also with 24. Donovan Mitchell with a relaxed 20, I guess is what you could call it, based off how he's been playing in the previous games. Utah's looked crazy good. I think that if there's one team that we're not expecting that, but that we wouldn't be surprised if we get wrong in our brackets, it's going to be this series. Utah has looked so strong game two and game three. It's going to be up to Denver to be able to respond. I don't know if they can, though, Patrick. I don't know either. If you had asked me this going into playoffs, say Denver's got a deficit, I would have been like, yeah, they're stacked. They can easily respond. But they just look they just look like they kind of lost their identity a little bit. They don't really seem to know who they are in the basketball court. They're not putting up – they're not even being competitive these last couple games. And so this is a huge game for them tomorrow. I – I hope it'll at least be close. 
Like I don't, I'm honestly, I think the Jazz will win tomorrow, but I, I hope it'll be close at least. Like Denver will be able to put up a little bit of a fight. Well, Denver just needs more production from their stars. You can't have Nikola Jokic go out there and score only 15 points in 32 minutes. You can't have Jamal Murray only scoring 12 points in 27 minutes. When your third leading scorer is Bol Bol, who, trust me, I'm a fan of. I enjoy him. He's a nice guy. I've had the pleasure to shake his hand. He's a good guy. But what I'll say is that when somebody who's been in the G League the entire season and is just now getting on the old blue, white, and a little bit of red that Denver likes to rock, He's been playing with the team for all of four or five weeks now, and he's their third leading scorer in a playoff game. That's not what's supposed to be happening. It's not what's supposed to be happening when you're paying Paul Millsap however much crazy money they are, or when you have the talent of Michael Porter Jr., or other guys around you like Torrey Craig, Jeremy Grant, Montel Morris. Like There's so many guys on this team that should be having more production who just really can't get it going against this Utah team. No, yeah, they have just not looked like the same team that they were in the regular season. Even in the bubble, they looked pretty good when they were. They were. They had some injury issues in the bubble, but they still look like a solid team. But that'll be an interesting series to watch for sure. And then, I want your thoughts on this. Who on the other end of the spectrum, who has been really disappointing throughout these first three games of the playoffs? Individually or as a team? Because I know we're probably going to get to both. But I'm curious which one you're asking about right now. I forgot to specify. That is my apologies. Team. Let's start with team. Who do you got? Before today, I would have gone with the Oklahoma City Thunder, but as we saw, they went out and had themselves a heck of a game here today. I think that if I'm looking at who's been the most disappointing, I'd have to go with the Philadelphia 76ers. They just haven't been able to put up a fight at all. Boston's completely owned them in every aspect of the game. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Kemba Walker, these guys are on an absolute roll. In that last game, Jalen Brown, 21 points. Jason Tatum only needed to score 15, only did score 15. Kemba Walker, though, is the star with 24 and 35 minutes. What did I tell you in the last episode about Kemba Walker when it's playoff time, when it's tournament time, when it matters? That's when he likes to show up, and he did so. Philadelphia? They've had no answers. Joel Embiid can go out and score 30 points and 13 rebounds. Boston doesn't care. They're going to let him do his thing. Because at the end of the day, Boston has a deeper bench. Boston is healthier. And Boston has absolutely taken a Philadelphia team that I at least expected to win a couple of games in the series and really do look like they're about to finish them off tomorrow. Yeah, I had thought this series would have been the most competitive out of the East series, honestly. I thought that even though they're the Philadelphia 76ers are without... Ben Simmons, and they don't really have an NBA coach in Brett Brown. He's a coach. He's just not a very good one. Um, so I thought Embiid was going to be able to carry him to at least a couple wins, maybe some close games, and he has played really well. But just nobody else has. They have poured so much money into Tobias Harris and Al Horford, and they are getting very little on their return. Like they're getting, they're putting up some numbers sometimes, but they're not putting up. Tobias Harris is not putting up one hundred eighty million dollars over five years worth numbers 14 points in a game is not going to do that i'm sorry that's just lame but in that in that last game tobias harris 15 points he did have 15 rebounds and four assists that's only 15 points in 39 minutes though al horford six points 10 boards but six points in 38 minutes of play 
Al Horford has just been an awful acquisition for them. He has just looked terrible. Like, he doesn't really mesh well with Embiid, so they they put him on the bench for a while. And, I mean, he was better, but I just... It just... It made a little bit of sense to me when they signed him, because I was like, oh, he can shoot at least. Like, they can spread him out as a stretch four, maybe. But it just has not gelled at all. And their team is just... I think they are going to have a big offseason. They have got a lot of questions to answer about what they want to do with this roster because there's not a lot of shooting on there. There's a lot of guys who can play in the paint, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do from here on out. Philadelphia coming up this offseason is going to have to really make a decision when it comes down to the process. The process is something they've been pushing for a long time. They've been working on it. It's gotten them players like Embiid and Simmons – but the truth is, these guys are still young, but you have to start seeing results. You do. And getting swept in the first round against Boston, even if you are missing Ben Simmons, unacceptable. Unacceptable for the 76ers. No, yeah. I, I was that. It was um, like last year, the year before that. They have played decently in the playoffs. Like last year, they barely lost to Toronto. The year before that, they won a first-round series. So I thought we were going to start seeing some results with this team. But after the Jimmy Butler loss, J.J. Redick loss, it just seems like they just have been kind of disappointing. Like they had, a, they had a lot of talent on paper, but it just has not panned out for them. And I'm very intrigued to see what they do. I think they should honestly trade either one of Simmons or Embiid because I don't think their play styles really mesh. But um, – that's up to the 76ers front office now, and probably not Brett Brown. It would not surprise me if Brett Brown got fired after this season, but who knows? There's a lot of questions up in the air right now in Philly, and fans are going to be very curious as to how these next four or five months pan out. So, segueing a little bit. Now going into biggest disappointment player-wise. Who do you got here, Sam? There's a lot of options that I could take here. A couple of them that were definitely trending in that direction were Chris Paul and LeBron James, but today happens and all of a sudden both of them come out and are producing really, really highly, especially today. They both looked great. One guy that I would go with that I thought would at least have a little more oomph would be Chris Levert. Maybe I was just a little excited after watching him play in that game against Portland here at the end of the bubble stretch in which he was able to absolutely go off, but... In 34 minutes in their last game against Toronto, only 15 points, 6 assists, 4 rebounds. Pretty pedestrian numbers from the guy who's supposed to be trying to carry the Brooklyn Nets. Tyler Johnson went out and had 23. Chris Chizoya had 14. Other than that, there's there's not a lot that's being produced from this Nets team. You would hope Levert would have a little more in the tank, but it's just been kind of disappointing to see him shut down by the Toronto Raptors. No, yeah, I like Curtis LeVert a lot. Like, he played very well in the bubble. I think he's a great third option for them. But he just has not really looked like himself in this series. And it's probably going to lead to a sweep at this point, honestly. But if I had to pick a guy, there is no doubt in my mind. This was an easy pick for me. You got you got Paul George here. Now, I watched him uh, game one of this series against the Mavs. He put up 27, 45% shooting, so not a terrible game at all. And he was hitting some shots. I was like, all right, Paul George is finally here. He's going to have his playoff moment. And the next two games, he's just been awful. He has averaged, he's got 25 points over two games. And he shot the ball 23% in one game and 18% in another game. That is just awful. Awful. And this is coming from a guy 
who in the middle of last season, a lot of people were saying top 10 player in the league. He has just looked terrible this postseason. And I, I hope he gets it together because I feel bad for the guy. He's putting up terrible numbers. Even though he's a second option, he's still a top-level talent in this NBA, at least Tier 1 or Tier 2. But he's not playing like it at all. Paul George in the last game against the Mavericks, 38 minutes, 11 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists. Filling up the stat sheet a little bit, but really not doing to that point category what you would hope for. Kawhi Leonard, though, 36 points. He is the reason that Dallas won that ball game. Uh, excuse me. Dallas lost that ball game. Los Angeles won that ball game. But you're right. Paul George has to be able to step up here. If not this round, then into the next one. Yeah, I don't think they really need him. If Kawhi keeps playing like he did last night, I think they can get out of here in five or six games. But next round, you're probably. It's looking like they're going to play Utah. And they're going to start needing Paul George to show up, especially if it gets to be the conference finals and they're playing against the Lakers or even the Rockets. You're going to need Paul George to put up at least decent numbers. These numbers are god-awful, dude. Oh, it's just disappointing. Playoff P is showing out yet again. God. And one thing that I know I did is that when I selected the Clippers to win the NBA championship in my bracket, one thing that I was hopeful for is that having Kawhi Leonard on the floor with Paul George would take some of the pressure off of him and allow him to be able to be the dynamic scorer that we all think of when Paul George comes to mind. But at this rate, I don't really know what can be expected of the Clippers after how they've been trying to handle this Mavericks series, a series that I didn't think they'd have any problem with, and I thought that they match up very well against the Mavericks. But without Paul George's production, they have been struggling to get the win. They struggled to get this past win and took an L when I didn't expect they would have taken one. Yeah. And not having Paul George play Like he's getting good looks too. Like I was watching some of his looks. He was getting open threes. He's got the shots. He's we've seen him make time and time again. And yeah, with him playing like this, this series gets a lot more challenging. It leaves the door open a little bit for Dallas to maybe steal another game or two and make it even more interesting. But We'll see what happens. There's still a long way to go in these series. Only three games in. Well, some of them. Some of them are just over. But some of them are just getting started. And segue in a little bit. NBA draft lottery happened. Was that last night? Or was that tonight? The NBA draft lottery took place, uh, I believe, Thursday, August the 20th. I was just way off. Oops. Um, the draft lottery happened, and surprise! Well, first the and foremost, got the number one pick. I was not expecting to see that at all. I thought it could have been. I was not expecting that either. I mean, good for them. I hope they use it well. Um, absolutely. First and foremost, I just want to run down the list right there for anybody who might not be aware of what the lottery looks like. Going from pick one all the way down to pick fourteen, where the lottery ends, you've got the Timberwolves, the Warriors, the Hornets, the Bulls. The Cavaliers with the fifth pick, Atlanta, Detroit, New York, Washington, Phoenix with the 10 pick, San Antonio, Sacramento, New Orleans, and then Boston picking in a trade with Memphis for that pick. No, yeah, I would, um, first thing, first thing I noticed was the Knicks got screwed. They got the eighth pick. I feel so Which bad. has never come back to bite them before. Yeah, they just, 
I, I just am like, okay, maybe they'll get a high pick. They can pick a good player. They can start moving a little bit back towards relevancy. But it just it just doesn't seem to work out for them. And I if you're a Knicks fan out there, I am so sorry. It just doesn't really seem to get better. Maybe it will someday. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But the Tim, I, to me, the Timberwolves are big winners here. Uh, Charlotte getting a number three pick is a big win. They still had a competitive season, I thought. They almost made it into the bubble, and they still got a very good pick, a top three pick. So I, I, I thought those teams won. Did you, Were there any teams that you saw that either really won this lottery or really lost, Sam? I kind of feel for teams like Atlanta and Detroit, teams that I thought would be able to draft a little higher than they were, but they were jumped by a couple of squads. I don't think I see anything that's too outlandish and crazy. Although I am very excited to see what a team like Phoenix or a team like San Antonio can do with a top 10 and top 11 pick, respectively. No, yeah, those two teams played very well in the bubble. And to see them still get really high picks will be interesting. Because this West next year is going to be absolutely loaded. And it's going to be so fun to watch. And if these guys are getting top 10, top 11 picks to help them out, it's going to... It's going to boost them maybe even a little bit higher up the rankings. Who knows how, where they're going to end up at the next year's next year's West standings. That took forever to say. God. Anyways, though, Patrick, I know I was curious about this, and I'm sure people are too. Those top five picks, you've got Minnesota, Golden State, Charlotte, Chicago, Cleveland. I'm sure that we'll have an entire episode dedicated to full mock drafts and everything, but as for right now, if you had to just go down the list and give me who you think, barring trades, who those five teams will be taking, do you have any ideas of guys that you think might fit well for those teams? That's an excellent question, Samuel. I'm glad you asked, because I'm going to answer. I think, number one, I think... Minnesota Timberwolves. I think they got to take Anthony Edwards here. I think he fits very well because they've got. I would say they could consider Lamelo, but they already got D'Lo at the point, and a D'Lo Anthony Edwards backcourt would be very interesting to see because they're both bona fide scorers. And I think Anthony Edwards plays a little bit better defense than Lamelo Ball could, so I think he helps out a little there because the Timberwolves not really known for defense, but I think that would be an interesting pick and. I, Golden State has to take James Wiseman here. He fits Absolutely. them perfectly. He he fills their hole at center. That's the only hole this team really has next year. Like they got Wiggins, they got Curry, they got Clay, they got Draymond. They're set. Their bench is a little bit better than it has been in the past couple years because they aren't they don't have the KD money, making it hard for them to make big signings on the bench. But they got some decent bench players. I think James Wiseman just really fills a hole right there, and it's going to make the Warriors even scarier. And number three, I got. I think um, if you're the Hornets here, you kind of got to take Lamelo. Like I think he's a he fits them. Hopefully, well. I I'm still not. I could see Lamelo being a star. I could also just see him not working out super well. I don't. He's a big wild card, but I think they got to take him here. Him and Devonte Graham would be a very nice backcourt to see, and I think he could bring some star. Some star, at least star spotlight into Charlotte. Maybe not star power. I think he could be a star in this league. It's just a little bit too early to tell for me. Um, Sam, why don't I have you round out picks four and five in this top five? 
Picks four and five. Well, it helps that one through three, I completely agree with you. I think Anthony Edwards is the best player in this draft. I think that he is the best decision to be taken by Minnesota. That backcourt would be so much fun to watch. And the inside-outside game they can run with the cat, I think, would also be super interesting. Wiseman makes so much sense for Golden State. It's where he is such a high ceiling, 7-1, super athletic, 7-6 wingspan, unbelievable. Could be a great fit there. And then LaMelo Ball is the next best player available in my mind, so that's a great pick there for Charlotte. Number four, I'm going a little bit off the beaten path here. I'm going with a guy from halfway across the planet here. I'm going with Denny, and excuse me if I mispronounce the last name, Avdija, Denny Avdija, who is in Israeli-Serbian, I believe, is his heritage, the 6'7", 6'8", 220, 225 pounds, versatile, offensive player. I think he would be perfect in Chicago. I really like Zach Levine, and I really think that Kobe White's a great young point guard for them. I think that with Wiseman off the board, and there not being another center to have a ton of confidence in, I think this is a great stretch player who will be able to be an awesome perimeter threat for them. Comparing his game to somebody, I kind of want to lean Gordon Hayward. They have that same kind of ability. I'm talking, I'm talking Gordon Hayward when he was lightened up and making all-star teams in Utah, kind of Gordon Hayward. Okay. I think that he's got a very similar kind of game, and I think he could produce like that for Chicago. And then the number five pick... I think he's staying home in the state of Ohio. I think Obi Toppin makes a lot of sense for Cleveland here. Kevin Love, that marriage has been looking to come to a close for a while now. That's not a good relationship between player and management, player and team. Obi Toppin, 6'9", 220. Size-wise, he compares a lot to a guy like John Collins, who's 6'9", 235. You know they're going to have Toppin put on that extra weight. I think that he is... An explosive guy. He likes to play above the rim. I think that he'd be a lot of fun to watch play alongside a young guard like Sexton. No, yeah, Sam. I would honestly have to agree with you on both of those picks. I like those picks a lot. I don't know a lot about the... What's his... I'm blanking on the name. Denny Denny Avdija. Yes. I don't know a lot about him, but you did just send me his highlight tape. So I'm excited to look at that. Oh, you should. You'll enjoy it. I most definitely will. I most definitely will. And Obi Toppin, as always, he had an awesome season at Dayton. I was very intrigued to see where he fits into this draft board because I could see him being a top five pick, maybe a little bit lower, like six or seven. I, it's a little bit tough to tell because sometimes teams just make weird decisions. But I, I like that pick for Cleveland. Him and Drummond in the front court could be very nice for their future because Drummond is still – he's not super old yet. I don't know if he's hit his prime yet. So that could be an interesting front court for them. Um, moving back into the realm of the playoffs. So we got – I wanted to talk to you really quick about the top two East teams here. We got Milwaukee and Toronto. They both have had pretty easy first-round matchups, but they haven't looked as dominant as they could have. Milwaukee obviously dropping a game to Orlando, not looking very – strong in that game they lost by double digits the magic controlled that game for most of the first few quarters there was a little bit of a lull in the third where the bucks came back a little but the magic pulled away um the next two games have been all milwaukee but still not the greatest sign to see if you're a bucks fan and then on the Raptors side they are up 3-0 on the nets but some of those games have been a little bit closer than needed 
like the first one especially, I feel like the Raptors let the Nets back in a little bit, and I felt they kind of did the same thing in the third one too. So I just want to get your thoughts. Do you think a team like Boston or a team like Milwaukee – or not Milwaukee, Miami, bleh, words – do you think one of those two teams has a better shot than they did before? Because both of those teams have looked very strong. Miami's looked really good against a tough Indiana team, and the Celtics have made the 76ers look awful. Um, do you think that one of those two teams has a better better chance right now of jumping the Bucks or Raptors in the second round, potentially? I would say that their chances are better, but still not great. When I look at the Raptors and the Bucks, I look at a couple of teams that are so incredibly talented that they probably don't have to be playing at 100% right now to be getting wins. I think that's going to change, but I think that they have the capability to do it. Milwaukee is a team that's built fantastic. They're put together in a way that they complement their star in such a perfect way. When Giannis has wanted to, he's like dominant in the bubble, and I think that's something that we can continue to see. And Toronto just has a championship mentality. They've been there. They know what's up. Almost every single player on that roster has some experience in the playoffs or even all the way up to the NBA Finals and have a championship ring. I think that the chances that a team like Miami or Boston could surprise somebody in the second round are better than I would have previous thought, previously thought. But that being said, Milwaukee, Toronto in the Conference Finals, if not, I'd be surprised. Okay. I, I think that the matchup I'm really intrigued with right now is Raptors-Celtics, because the Celtics come out looking phenomenal in the first round. I I think there's a very good chance the Celtics can get the upset here. I'm still going to pick Toronto in seven, like what I said before on our last episode. But I do like what I'm seeing a lot from the Celtics. They have – I've never bought in as much because I don't really like their front court situation as much. I don't think they have a lot of size – or they have some size. I just don't think they can really compete with the front courts of the East. you got, like, Giannis – uh, the Philadelphia 76ers front court and the Raptors front court is really strong. So I, th- I always thought there was one that was one area they were struggling a little bit, but their guard play and forward play has been phenomenal. So this matchup is going to be very intriguing to me. I still think the Bucks are going to be able to take care of Miami, but I'm, I'm leaning pretty close to picking the Celtics in this other series. It's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tight series. And segueing a little bit, very similar question. Just with the uh, the West, because again, the West teams have not looked very strong. The top two teams, Lakers, Clippers. You got the Clippers with PG struggling, and the Lakers. LeBron hadn't really shown up until tonight. He showed up a little in Game One, but he hadn't looked like himself. And the Jazz looked very strong, and the Rockets have looked very strong, especially without Russell Westbrook and James Harden. I just want to give a shout out really quick. Shout out my man, Lou. Dort, please remember that man's name. He is hooping right now. He is shutting down James Harden. He was uh, he was guarding Harden today, three of eleven shooting when he was on Dort. Dort has been locking him up. Shout out Dort. But Houston has still looked very strong. Do you think there's a better chance one of these top two West teams gets upset by one of the three? Well, I guess it would be the six seed in the Jazz case, the six seed or the four seed. I think that the best chance for an upset would be the Rockets and the Lakers. I think the Rockets bring up a lot of the matchup issues that the Lakers tend to have, and that's on the perimeter. But again, I'm I'm leaning on the chalk here. I really am. 
I think that what the Lakers have shown us in this playoff series against Portland is that when they need to lock it down defensively, they can and they will. LeBron still has every tool in his tool belt, can still do whatever he wants to whenever he wants to. And Anthony Davis, when he has the drive and when he has the, the fight in him, he gets it done, and he's proven that. I think that for the West, I, I, have, to, I have to lean the L.A. teams are going to be there when it's all said and done. When we're looking at two teams left in the West, they're both going to be from the city of Los Angeles, and I really can't convince myself otherwise. Yeah, I still lean that way too. I just think that these series are looking a little tighter than I previously thought, especially the Rockets-Lakers series. I am very intrigued because when I came in and predicted that Thunder would win six in the series, I thought Steven Adams was going to have his way down low. But Steven Adams, the Rockets are kind of playing him out of this series a little bit. He is, he is not, He does not have very good plus-minus rating when he's on the floor. I don't know if he can fully keep up with the pace the Rockets play at. And in this game three, the Oklahoma City, they put Gallinari at center near the end, especially in the overtime. And they looked a lot better offensively and defensively than having Steven Adams out there, which if you had told me that last week at the beginning of the series, I would have been very surprised. But I'm if the Rockets can play Steven Adams out of this series, I wonder how it's going to go because, to me, the Los Angeles Lakers, a big chunk of their game is just in the paint. They've got Davis. They've got McGee. They've got Howard. They've got LeBron. Those guys love to play in the paint, and they lo- they love to rely on their size. So that matchup is going to be very interesting for me to see. And, you know, that might be all the topics we have, Sam. Is there anything else you would like to touch on? before we take off. I know it might be a little bit shorter of an episode, but is there any anybody you wanted to highlight, any special topics you had thought of about these series, maybe next round, anything? That Boston-Toronto series, I think, will be a legendary series. I think that that will be such a fun series. I think that Toronto ends up winning it just because of the championship pedigree, but you're right when you say that will be such a fun series. Oh, yeah. These second, like a lot of the first round series in the West have been really good. In the East, hasn't really been the case. All the series are 3 0 there, except for Milwaukee, Orlando, which is going to be a five game Milwaukee win, I'm pretty sure. So those have been a little boring to watch. But the West series have looked really good in the first round. And I think all the series are going to be awesome in the second round. You've got tons of good matchups. Tons of good storylines. No matter who gets in there from the Jazz Nuggets or Rockets Thunder, I, I still I think it's going to be the Rockets now. They've just looked really good, as much as it pains me to say that. Also, fun stat of the day. No other sports site will have this stat. I have been watching Oklahoma City basketball for a long time, okay? I've been a fan since about 2012. And since KD left in 2016 they have had a composite record in the playoffs of a whopping 5 and 14 and the most amazing part of that is when i watch the game they are 0 and 13 i have not seen an oklahoma city thunder playoff win since 2016 game 4 against the warriors it has been that long because when i don't watch i didn't watch today they're 5-1. and one. They have played so well when I just cannot watch, when I'm too busy to watch. So you've heard it here. I am not 
actually, I don't want to say it. I'm not going to watch another game. I really want to watch on Monday, and I don't care if that means you're going to lose. I just want to watch basketball, and I just want to watch my team. But that stat blows my mind. I have not seen the Thunder win a basketball game since 2016, and it, or a playoff basketball game. And it makes me really sad because it's just been them getting the crap beat out of them by Houston and then Utah and then Portland and then Houston again. So it's just been really great for me. But I just thought I should put that stat out there. That really blew my mind when I thought about it today. And that's a great stat. That makes me just treasure you as a basketball fan that much more. No, uh, no, I, I, I don't want to watch. I, I watch too many of those Portland games. <laughs> I, <clears throat> God. They were literally up 15. It's like seven minutes, and I I was watching, and I was like, "This is gonna be different." You should have turned it off then. I really should have. Maybe I wouldn't have. Maybe I wouldn't have just sat on the couch, curled up in the fetal position for like twenty minutes after Damian Lillard hit that shot. <laughs> well, um, I I think we're gonna have to end it right there. You know, I just don't really want to cry on camera. Um, but thank you guys for tuning in. And I just want to say, Sam, I'm super hyped to have you on as the full-time co-host. I think this is going to be awesome. And you are a pleasure to talk to. Not. Um, and I'm just, I've just really enjoyed talking to you, so this is going to be super fun. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, I just want to say thanks. I'm super hyped to get on this grind with you. Pleasure's all mine, buddy. This is going to be a good time. I sure hope so because then I'm not wasting my time. Um, everybody who's listening, have an awesome week. We got at least two more days of basketball all day, and then some of the series will start to turn off because sweeps and such. But please enjoy this basketball. It's going to be here for another month, month and a half. So just watch as much of it as you can. And have an awesome week, everybody. Take care, Sam.